Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. you love to see it, Fanbyte's movie review podcast styled after a delightful neighborhood video store. Every week, our friendly staff watches a movie and decides if it is a weathered, treasured masterpiece worthy of our staff picks shelf or a decent functional roadster, you know, rough around the edges, but fit for the middle shelf. Or if it's a true pig turd that belongs right in the methane mill of our dumpster out back. Working the counter today, we have yours truly, Danielle, definitely good Australian accent, Riendo, <laughs> and my fellow citizen of Barter Town, Fernanda, not shit, energy, Praches. Fernanda, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you. That's me. I'm not shit. I'm energy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. And of course, this month we are doing uh, a very special theme. It is Happy Pop Holly Divas Month. Uh, and of course, again, Fernanda, you write the best intros for these. So I just, I'm just going to read what you wrote here. Uh, well, I'm sure you can kind of figure out what that entails. Of course, meaning Happy Pop Holly Divas Month. Uh, being that you are, of course, a, our listener and therefore a person of superior intellect, and distinguished taste. We'll explain it anyway. Uh, So throughout December, we'll pick movies featuring musical divas who also took their talents to the big screen. So, you know, get it? Holidays, Hollywood, divas, holly divas. I know. You're in awe of our genius, and so are we. Well, anyway, whether the divas in question started off with acting or just got into it later on, whether they're good at it, whether they're not, none of it matters, as long as we believe they possess the true holly diva spirit. And today... We are driving about a thousand miles out in the desert away from last week's 90s drama by picking Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome. The world had been through a trial by fire, and only the greatest warriors and their deadliest enemies emerged from the flames. Who are you? Nobody. I can feel it. The dice are rolling. (laughs) He was the one they called mad. But he's just a raggedy man. But to those whose lives hung in the balance... Where's the whiting ones? Whiting for what? Whiting for you. He was the one they called hero. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Now, Mad Max is back in Beyond Thunderdome. Mel Gibson, Tina Turner, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome. You might be asking yourself, how is this a Holly Diva pick? Well, aside from the truly stupendous outfits on every single character, it's because Tina Turner herself portrays one of the main characters. You might call her a villainous diva, the cunning, conniving auntie entity. All right, so I know we're dealing with people, again, a very refined taste here. Uh, and as such, we know you probably know what Beyond Thunderdome is about. But just in case you need a refresher, here is a synopsis written by yours truly. Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome is a 1985 apocalyptic sci-fi sequel starring Mel Gibson as a tough guy who lives in the desert, is good at fighting, and maybe gets mistaken for another tough survivor guy. 
Uh, Tina Turner is here as the reason to watch the movie. Really, maybe the only reason to watch the movie, but she sure is. She is a sexy Amazonian ruler of a wild city called Bartertown, which happens to have a custom MMA cage complete with uh, like aerial ropes and all kinds of good stuff. It's called Thunderdome. There's a lot of sand and sweat and dirt and poop. And, uh, you know, people are just trying to make their way in a post-nuclear world. There's also a plot, but honestly, you don't need to worry about it too much because the movie certainly didn't. So uh, that is Mad Max 3 (laughs) Beyond Thunderdome. And we always like to start out with a little section we call setting the scene, which is where we kind of talk about the movie at hand and our history with the cinematic uh, masterpiece or disaster piece in question. So Fernanda, what is your history with, I suppose we should say Mad Max in general, with the franchise in general, and with Mad Max 3 in particular. And also, yeah, you know, maybe with Tina Turner, since we've got all kinds of stuff going on here. <laughs> uh, actually, I am a Fury Road baby. That was my first nice. um, interaction with the Mad Max franchise. And my toxic trait is that I'll watch literally anything with Tom Hardy in it. So, sure, sure. And obviously it turned out to be a truly amazing movie. Um, it's just a bonus that the most beautiful man to ever walk the earth happens to be in it um and i went back to watch uh the older ones but i kind of gave up in the first one because i was watching at home i had like downloaded it whatever uh allegedly um (laughs) (laughs) alleged download allegedly (laughs) downloaded it um, and I, I don't know, I wasn't feeling it. So I stopped and never went back. And then as we were trying to find divas, uh, for our month, uh, my partner suggested Beyond Thunderdome. I wouldn't have never thought of it. And it's like, yeah, Tina Turner is in it. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's an interesting and unusual pick. Nobody yeah. has this. Nobody's going to have this on their divas bingo card. Um, so that's kind of like how I came to the suggestion and I figured, you know, over the top wardrobes, uh, action scenes, um, possible explosions and violence. I figured that would be right up our alley. And that's how I ended up coming to Thunderdome specifically. I know that the, uh, second one, which I forgot now, it's another road. (laughs) type thing yeah it's, it's another a widely road. yeah it's another road it's a widely uh road warrior sorry it's a widely acclaimed movie and the third one as i was reading sort of reviews and stuff it's kind of like more of a divisive um product in the franchise mm. and i know we'll get into it but uh that to me in itself is very interesting because i really found the opinions online sort of running the gamut there. But yeah, I didn't I didn't really have that much intimacy with the franchise. And I think that will kind of be important maybe when we start discussing it because I have no way of really knowing whether this movie advanced the characters and the plot and the aesthetics or whatever in any way. Uh, that might have changed sort of how I felt watching it. Uh, but yeah, I came in pretty fresh uh, into this one. Yeah. Yeah. I too am a Fury Road baby and I've only seen it once and it was like in theaters at a special advanced screenings. There were a lot of like motorcycle enthusiasts and burners there. So that was like the best possible experience for watching (laughs) Fury Road. Like I was with a very enthusiastic crowd and I loved it. Of course, it's a fantastic movie, like a really, Mm -hmm. really pure action sci-fi type of experience like really really great um also i just generally this is a weird thing to say i really like australian sci-fi because my favorite tv show of all time like bar none and i like i watch a lot of tv (laughs) uh it's a show called farscape which is a very australian science fiction show where there's plenty of desert scenes there's plenty of like this type of like kind of goofy over-the-top humor that goes mm-hmm. along with action and things like that. Like, I kind of think of that when I think of Australian sci-fi. And folks can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong there. I just really love Farscape. I thought Fury Road was great. Also had no real context for the kind of Mel Gibson character. All I knew is there's a nuclear war. He used to be a cop. I know he had a family at some point. 
There's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of shit that goes on. And it's all really like these very cartoonish kinds of characters. It's all about like people who have just tried to make it work in this like really wild vision of a post-apocalyptic future, mm-hmm. which of course is like, again, very appealing to me. I love this kind of shit. This is great. This is the kind of thing I love. And also just in terms of, you know, knowing that, you know, the production design would probably be cool because I know that there were going to be some, you know, fights on the road and knowing that, you know, George Miller and the later movie, you know, did some pretty amazing stuff with that. I was kind of, I was so pumped to go into this. I was like, yeah, I don't really know that much, but I know enough to be excited about it and got yeah. very excited about it. And, uh, Spoiler alert. Didn't, <laughs> didn't really go the places I wanted it to go, sadly enough. Uh, didn't didn't get to uh, the parts of the road that I would prefer to be on, I suppose, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but we will get into that in our stripping it down section, which, you know, hold the phone, friends. Don't worry, but beware. We are going to spoil things in our stripping it down section. Uh, so just in case... You have not watched it and you plan to watch it. We are going to be spoiling things because right now we're getting into stripping it down. All right. So, Fernanda, I think it's a good thing to start with some good stuff, as you as you kind of noted here. Tina Turner makes this movie. And if mm-hmm. this doesn't, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But if the if there is a reason to watch this movie whatsoever, it's it's Tina Turner. And this is a point that I think we very much agree on here. So do you want to talk a little bit about how Tina made her scenes work? Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I just realized I didn't answer your <laughs> first question about my sort of history with Tina Turner. Oh, that's OK. This is a good place for it. Yeah, I don't I don't really uh, it's know a lot uh about her really just probably as much as anybody else in the world does but (laughs) i know that this movie happened kind of in the middle of her comeback um which is everybody talks about as like one of the biggest comebacks in music history or whatever when she was really solidifying herself as a solo act after all the terrible shit uh, that happened uh, with Ike Turner and then really became yeah. sort of this rock and roll icon. Um, and this movie was kind of in those years. Um, and I was actually reading a little bit about it and I found a preview of her latest autobiography called My Love Story in which she talks a little bit uh, about why she ended up in Mad Max and she was it's a kind of a big piece I'm not going to read all of it but uh she had been apparently offered the a role in the color purple and turned it down oh uh, wow. because she felt it was like too heavy apparently too reminiscent of like bad places that she had been and then uh, sure yeah then they offered uh Thunder Beyond Thunderdome and she was like she had seen the other movies. She was a, a fan of, of George Mil- uh, Miller and said that this was her type of acting. Um, and I'm going to just <laughs> read a little bit of it um, from her book. I didn't want to do Hollywood because Hollywood is all about glamour and beauty. And I never saw myself as a beauty. I was still a tomboy at heart. The oh. thought of traveling halfway around the world to the wilds of central Australia, shaving my head, she shaved her head apparently so that the wig would fit uh, oh, yeah. somewhere else. Uh, wearing armor and driving in fast cars not to mention playing a queen are you kidding this was a dream come true <laughs> and it is tina that is the yes true. that is the coolest fucking role uh of course i wasn't thinking about the dust or the heat that the temperature would rise higher than 125 degrees so high that it made it difficult to fill the gas tank on the stunt cars because the fuel evaporated as soon as it hit the air I was thinking about the fabulous character and the realization of one of my favorite fantasies, playing a woman who has the power of a man. Oh, Which wow. I thought was like really a really cool little backstory on, on TNT. And I think to me, the reason why she's such a cool character, first of all, the wardrobe was just perfect. Oh my god, uh, yes. I I need that metallic little number with the like gynecological slit. Like that's Truly. very much my kind of apocalyptic classy 
slutty is like my personal aesthetic. Um, she, she was more on the classy side uh, than on the slutty side, so maybe I would cut a little more out of the, that dress. But personally, just another inch, you know, that's all right. <laughs> that appealed to my sensibilities, but um, I just think that it was a role that didn't demand that she did a lot. And if she had done too much, I think he would have ruined it. I yeah. think she kind of played it just enough. She was like just dignified enough, sophisticated enough with like just enough camp with the laugh. Uh, and she mentions here in this little segment that uh, apparently George Miller heard her laughing uh, in on set and wanted to incorporate it uh, in the movie. And that really worked. A playful and sinister laugh at the same time, she calls it. And I think that really worked. And it's just, I don't know, sometimes, and we kind of talk, uh, talked about this before, right? Like, sometimes it's really about the presence. It's not really yeah. about necessarily the juggling a bunch of things and doing, like, acting contortionism. It's really about just, like, having the kind of just air that the role requires. And I really think that she has it. And, yeah, it's like she said, right? Like, it's a villainous uh, who kind of has to rule a certain way because she's a woman among these powerful men and not defending women uh, despots as a general rule. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm not <Yeah>. that, <laughs> that, that that much of a, gr- a hashtag girl boss to support. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Break that other glass ceiling. Uh, Please rule your kingdom uh, with an iron fist like a man would do. Claim your power, girl. No, uh, (laughs) but (laughs) I kind of could feel all all of that in a role that wasn't necessarily that extensive. I don't know. I just loved her. Yeah. And like on that point, I I came into this movie expecting her to be like like this evil, evil queen and kind of like. To be honest, in this world, I'm not saying she's great. I'm not saying she's, like, a good person. I know she's kind of evil. But, like, in this world, she's not mm. really more evil than anyone else. <laughs> like, right? Which made me kind of, like, are we supposed to just feel like, oh, the evil queen. She's so evil. She just deliciously eats up evil. And it's kind of like, she's kind of just doing what everybody else does. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. And I don't know if that was a weird reaction to have. At all. No, I'm with you. I think so, too. This is like a bad world. It's a terrible world. It's not a happy place. Again, not hashtag girl bossing. I'm just kind of like, it's more like <laughs> hashtag every single other person and what they do. So is she any worse? I don't know. Listen, we're here for the discussion. All right. <laughs> but I, I completely yeah. <laughs> agree with her, like, with your assessment of like how much presence she has. Like, I want to just say this. I enjoyed every scene she was in and I didn't enjoy a single scene she wasn't in. So like for real, (laughs) for realsy realsies, if we had a cut, a 20 minute cut of this movie, that's just her. I'd watch it every day. I'd be like, yeah, this is great. This is perfect. This is her strutting around with this incredible screen presence. This like, Again, like, and you also put it in your notes, that she's not a very tall woman in real life, but she has, like, an Amazonian, like, a strong, tall, mm-hmm. like, very attractive to me, I'm not going to lie, just, like, strong <laughs> presence, like, very, very, very strong and awesome and kicking ass, and these outfits are incredible, and she just looks like Tina Turner, the, you know, the performer, was having a great fucking time playing this yeah. role. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know that. Obviously, it was very hot, so I don't want to say she did have a great time, but that's the sense one gets watching the movie, that she's having a fucking blast doing this, and that is fun to watch. Yeah. Another also, interesting tidbit is that she called Mel yeah. Gibson Melvin. <laughs> ah, she called him Melvin! <laughs> yeah, because he had a little boy quality that reminded me of one of my sons. He's very loose and playful. <laughs> And then at the end, yeah, she she mentioned something about, I knew that Melvin, uh, I developed such an affection for him that after the movie was finished, it troubled me to read stories about his bad behavior. Uh, I knew that Melvin was better than that. So I sent him a picture of himself with the note, please don't mess this up. (laughs) He took my words seriously and was happy that I was supportive and concerned about his well-being. So I I love her. Now I love her. 
I already <laughs> loved her. Now I really love her. What a fucking queen. Honest to God, what a queen. That's what a queen does. She makes a cute name for her co-star and gets mad at him when he acts like an asshole. That's good. Like, that's really good. I just want to say that. I just want to put that out there. Ugh. Now, I also want to say costume design in general. Like, her costumes are the best. The absolute yeah. best in the universe. Costume design and production design generally in this movie, incredible. Incredible. This is a vision that feels very consistent it feels very lived in. It feels very specific. Like, none of this feels, like, generic. This is, like, mm-hmm. no, these are the the bits and pieces that, like, detritus that survived a nuclear war, and now people are using it to do the best they can. Like, they've made a little town out of all the shit that survived. <laughs> like, and people drive around in the vehicles because that's what still works. Like, these, you know, motor vehicles, there's still some fuel somehow, and that's what works. So it just generally, it's a pleasure to look at at least, well, I don't know if it's a pleasure to look at the pig shit factory. <laughs> I don't know if pleasure is the right way to put it's that. It's an experience. It's it, an it experience. It elicits emotions. Yes. Uh. <laughs> yes, it elicits emotions. And I guess I should say that's a huge part of the plot is that they there's a pig shit factory. It's a methane factory, and that's how they fuel Barter Town. And there's a lot of piggy poop. There's a character named Pig Killer. There's just a lot about pig shit in this movie. Like, more pig shit is on screen than Tina Turner is. I think that's a crime, first of all. <laughs> but isn't there a line which is like, I was up, I built this uh, by myself, up in my armpits and shit and blood. Yep. <laughs> up to my armpits and shit and blood. Yep. It's a good, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great line. And I actually like. <laughs> So I say it's, like, a pleasure to look at. It's not. But, like, I actually like this construction. Like, I like mm-hmm. how nasty and grimy it is, right? It should. It, it probably should be for this type of vision of a post-apocalyptic, awful future where things are bad. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes a certain kind of sense. Not necessarily that it's, oh, this is definitely what something would look like, but it's consistent with the vision. It makes sense for the vision, and I, I dig it. I like the sets. I like the props. I like the costumes. I think they are honestly awesome to look at even when they are uh, pig shit and maybe not awesome to look at in that like <laughs> this isn't the prettiest thing <laughs> but it's cool right that kind of thing. it is but that's yeah. the thing right and that's what they do really well and that's what i assume is a very good thing about the other mad max movies yeah. from what i read now i would have to watch uh but they really did a very good job at building a world yes. because it's a vibe right like yeah. it's really about making you believe this post-apocalyptic scenario. And they really nail it with Barter Town. Granted, I haven't put this on my notes. Like, I'm biased because, like, this is very much my aesthetic, uh, my personal aesthetic, which is also... (laughs) I said that, too, about Wild Wild West. And I don't know what... What it says about me that <laughs> if it were up to me, I'd always be dressed in a mix of Western steampunk and dystopian desertic hellscape chic. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, it says great I- things, Fernanda. It says wonderful <laughs> things about you. It says you're a person of great taste. That's what I think. Anyway. But it's- <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you will be a... Th- um, Thoroughly accepted, maybe even get a high-ranked job in my dystopian uh, dictatorship. Thank you very and much. Thank you. You won't have to handle the pig shit. So, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, just for this compliment alone, uh, you're in a good <laughs> position in my in my despotic reign. Uh, but yeah, just visually, it's like a really cool movie to look at and i'm yeah. sure we'll get into specific scenes particularly the thunderdome and 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 and, and the chases and stuff so yeah. that's really not a problem and i think it holds up really well because when you yes. think about it you know this was shot in 80 was it 85 or 87 it came out in 85 so i'm assuming it was probably being shot like the year i was born which is 84 okay. yeah <laughs> it was a while so, like, ago <laughs> well not that long because you're full of youth, Danielle. Thank you. Full of youth. Thank you very Breaming much. Breathing with youth. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> really are, though. <laughs> I wish I had your youth. Uh, and I was oh. born in 89. Uh, but yeah, like, I, it really holds up well. Like, it looks, I guess, dated in a way. But it also looks very organic and interesting and creative. Like, yeah. sometimes I look at a bunch of just, like, very CGI-ish shit. And I hate it so much. 
because it just yeah yeah right like it bores you it's just not as interesting and like this you can really it looks like everything every person wore was like thought through yes the hairdos everything so yeah it's visually just a very uh appealing movie yeah so we can say that that for it I, okay. I completely agree. Okay, Thunderdome, <laughs> we already said two good things about you. So don't take it too personally when we move further into our discussion. Yeah, when we get to the the, the pig shit, if it will, uh, <laughs> of, of this movie. So I guess, do you want to... Here's the thing. I, ha- I have one more big positive about okay. the movie, and then yeah. pretty much everything else is unfortunately negative. Do we want to go all the all the way through the positives and then negatives, or do we want to... Like, end on a sweet note kind of thing. Let's end on a sweet note. Let's right. do that. Let's, let's... All right. Let's do that. All right. In that case, Fernanda, here's the biggest problem with the movie that we both had. Mm. It's so boring. It's, it's boring. so fucking it's boring. boring. <laughs> I, I struggled. And I think I have a decent attention span. Listen, yeah. we, nobody has like a good one anymore. Not in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> no one possesses a good attention span. But I think mine yeah. is like not completely damaged. Yeah. I could sit through a lot of stuff. I watch <laughs> yeah. a lot of stuff. You know, I I, I think I'm a relatively patient person. Mm, you are. But Can holy. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but like. Holy Jesus, God. I was, like, looking at my watch. I was, like, fidgeting. I was, I was like, in our little, you love to see it, chat on our Slack. I was like, folks, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this one. It was, it was rough. And I think the main problem for me, and I know uh, you, you probably have some thoughts too, but for me, the main problem is I didn't give a quarter of a pig shit. <laughs> about anyone in this movie aside from Tina Turner. I just didn't care. I just didn't care. These these aren't like people. They're they're like cool fun cartoon characters, I guess. But even like even Master and Blaster where I think you're supposed to feel things, I felt nothing. I just felt nothing. I was just like I can't. I don't know why. And like listen, I'm going to I'm going to try to like figure it out too. I thought I was in the perfect mood to watch this. I had just gotten my booster. I was a little out of it. I I was like ready to go <laughs> understanding. I love production design. I love this type of sci-fi. I was like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And I just like wanted to go to sleep. I just didn't care about these characters. Like it, it, I, I feel bad. I actually felt like, what is wrong with me right now? Like, what is wrong with me that I'm not connecting to these characters? What is wrong with me that I'm not having any kind of feelings whatsoever for them? So that's what it was for me. And it was a little confusing at first, but I, I really do think it was just the characters are not interesting. Mel Gibson in a stupid wig, not interesting to me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just not. Melvin didn't do it for me this time. <laughs> That's the thing, right? And and again, not having watched the first two, I can't tell if yeah. part of it is that. Like, I just don't really connect to the whole situation as much as I would have, having had the previous experience sure but uh i'm with you i there was a lot of things that i was very ready to like and i just couldn't and i think you know i had a tough time relating to the characters i was bored um and i think the part in the middle and i'm sure this is because i know this is among our both our negatives like the whole storyline with the kids, oh, it's God. just not, oh. not, not good at all. And that's the thing, right? I was at first kind of like bored by the flow of the Barter Town storyline. Then they get to Thunderdome, which we will discuss uh, yeah. more in depth in a little bit. And I was like, okay, maybe this will pick up. Like, this is interesting. And then we get to the part where he runs into like, I don't know, this Peter Pan lost boys situation. And it's just a, and here's the thing. I'm a terrible person. Um, (laughs) I'll say it all right. And I, (laughs) I do not (laughs) respond to children. uh, In a way that people with normal hearts do. So (laughs) I was kind of like, is that a me thing? Usually that's, 
a lot of people are like, oh, watch this movie. I'm like, oh, what is it about? Oh, a kid does. I'm like, I'm, you lost me. I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I have a really tough time sympathizing. And uh, that's, I, I know I used to be a kid. I am not mean <laughs> to parents who have crying kids in airplanes. I understand that <laughs> parents need to travel with their kids, okay? I act civil toward children uh, and their ilk. But as a general thing, I have a tough time just connecting uh, on an emotional level. And I was just... And then, like, I read your notes, and I was like, oh, okay, and it's not just me. The storyline with the kids just, it ended up being very weird. Um, yeah. You know, and dragged out. And I think the whole aspect, the whole idea was, um, and I understand that they kind of do that in um, World Warrior with a pharaoh kid, with a single uh-huh. kid. Yeah. Uh, but here, like, I think the idea is to kind of, like, show his humanity or like show him right because this is a person who's hardened who's a warrior who's having to live in this horrible these horrible circumstances and then like this is sort of the the humanity in him speaking when he runs into a bunch of these orphan kids um but it didn't land it was just like not interesting the kids were kind of annoying like there were some cute moments here and there like the kid legging behind in the desert like things like that like i that i almost wanted to respond to it but as a general like thing it didn't work and that to me is part of why maybe i was so bored by the movie because by the end when he returns to barter town for reasons i still can't quite comprehend because the narrative i don't think is supposed to be all that they don't explain a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't. They really don't. Yeah. Yeah. He goes back because the kids apparently want to go back. And it's like, kids, you're hanging out, eating fruit, doing your thing. Why do you want to go back to the city? City is overrated. Like, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. If there's one thing we all found out in 2021 is that living in the hustle and bustle of big cities is is highly overrated. But right? I digress. <laughs> Like when he goes back, then it gets interesting again. So it's kind of like, to me, the whole middle segment is just, ugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, and a lot of it, I think, is kind of like you said. I just had a tough time being invested in in any of it. I I feel like I couldn't possibly be more with you. And I like kids. Like in real life, kids are great. Kids are fun. They're cool. But, like, in a movie, in a movie, honestly, one kid could be interesting because it's like, okay, there's, like, there's something here. There's some connection here. But this is, like, just the most annoying group of (laughs) stupid white children who have 15 gallons of fucking hairspray each. Each. Like, the hairspray budget alone. Like, I don't even know what happened there. Just so fucking annoying. I'm sorry, but I was, like, ready to throw my iPad. And, yes, I watched these things on an iPad. I watched half of it on my big screen, but half of it was on the iPad. Just, like, out the window with their, like, little twee, like, we need to do the telling and the member. It's just, like, I don't care. I don't want to know. I'm out. This is not interesting. I'm bored. I'm annoyed. These aren't the feelings I want to feel watching a cool action movie. It's not to be annoyed by the fucking lost orphans of the airplane who have a fucking storytelling hour every night. It makes me feel like a bad person to say this out no, loud. And I'm very see, sorry. That's what I'm saying. No, that's that's why I'm here to provide you with some perspective. Thank you. Thank you uh, for doing this. For you me. know, yeah, yeah. And also like next to me are like a really good person. <laughs> Like, I don't like kids in real life either. So it's like, so you don't like a bunch of fictional kids. Uh, that's totally fine. But they're so a- terrible. They're the most <laughs> awful kids who have ever lived. They're just annoying. There's nothing charming about them. They're just horrible, annoying, lost boy children. I'm so done it, with lost right? boy like- bullshit. Go away. <laughs> Go somewhere else. I don't care. <laughs> There's a little... Um, uh, I read like a review on the Washington Post by Paul Atanasio. I don't know. Sorry, uh, Paul, other Paul, who's not our producer, if you're listening to this and I butchered your name. Um, 
and I think he, he kind of nailed it. He says, the relationship between Max and his wee acolytes comes on a level so self-consciously mythic, it's thin as air. There's plenty of gab about the storytelling tradition and obvious religious overtones, but the script never provides Max and the kids with the most elementary human connection. They leave it up to Gibson, who's not about to connect the dots for them. As usual, he's great to look at, but short on resources. Yeah. <laughs> a, li- yeah. a little mean, Paul. <laughs> but accurate but completely accurate there's no bond whatsoever and like that's fine okay how are you gonna bond with a group of of hairspray children i don't know and that quickly right in the middle of a movie that's squeezed in between two other moments that's kind of the thing for me like it just doesn't work it feels very wedged in there and it's not interesting or engaging enough of a narrative for us to forget the fact that it doesn't flow really yeah. well. And it's interesting because I was reading, I, I always like to read reviews uh, before doing these shows uh, and like some people really love this movie. Uh, Roger Ebert, I believe, put it in his like top 10 movies of 85 or something like that. Like he was really, he really enjoyed the movie and other people like our friend, other Paul here, uh i think his what was the boring to the max or something was 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 the title of his review so really it's really interesting like it really divided opinions which is why sometimes i feel like maybe we just didn't connect to it as much or it just aged uh a certain way but yeah like and especially after watching fury road which is such a good fluid dynamic movie that makes you kind of care get involved with the characters even in a very fast-paced sort of environment yeah. this one just really didn't do any of that yeah i immediately care about the people in fury road even mm-hmm. though again i had no mad max context whatsoever but the movie does a good job just introducing these people and they have traits and they have things about them you don't need to go into a lot of backstory like that's not like an overwritten movie by any means like it's actually mm-hmm. a relative for a movie about explosions it's relatively subtle with this storytelling <laughs> right <laughs> like you care you do care about like the tribe of the you know led by the old lady you care about imperata um furiosa like you care about these people because they have like genuine plight and there's something going on in their life with this it was like okay so the kids are either either I don't know. They were in a plane crash. Maybe. That's, or maybe their I parents were in the plane crash and the parents took I, off somewhere. Okay, so it's not just me. I was like, I don't I, fucking know. Yeah. I'm not that clever. Cause I'm <laughs> and they speak obviously in that sort of cryptic tone and purpose. Cause it's supposed yeah. to be like a learned language between them. And it's supposed to be like quirky and, and and interesting and I, I again I like the idea and that happened a lot I think in the movie like I like that idea and then somehow it just didn't really connect and yeah. I was like maybe maybe like just my English is not good enough to follow, <laughs> no, <laughs> follow it, what these kids are saying because I'm really it's lost. just bullshit it's just <laughs> bullshit and like sci-fi does this thing and you can either find it very charming or very annoying or like it can be done well or done poorly or like there's made up sci-fi terms or like made up fantasy terms right and like mm-hmm. this is just like oh yes we do the telling and the member and the blah 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 and it's just like I don't know, just fucking why don't you just go back to the airplane and like i don't know grow up <laughs> something else it's just so unclear what their motivation is what they actually want what's going on with them like in in fury road not to keep going back to it but again it's my only other movie experience with this franchise you know exactly what everybody wants and needs at any time you know exactly what the score is you know exactly what the stakes are you know exactly what's going on bad thing will happen if this doesn't happen bad thing is is happening it's just clear it's just completely clear what the motivations are and what people are feeling and i think that's actually kind of important in especially in like a genre piece uh, like an action centered genre piece it is good to know what the motivation of the characters is like it doesn't have to be obvious it can be subtle but i do have to know i do have to have like a strong sense of what people like need and want and why they're there and why they're doing what they're doing. These kids are just there and they're so annoying. And we spent half the movie with them and it just ruins everything. And it's not like I was having the time of my life with the pig shit, but at least you kind of know what's going on with master blaster and with auntie (laughs) entity and with like 
pig killer and all these other people that at least like have some kind of motivation. Right. But the kids, nothing, there is nothing. There is no explanation. It doesn't have to be spelled out to me again. Like it doesn't, but you got to at least give me something to hang on to. So I care about a character, like just as a person watching the movie, you, you got to give me something. And they gave me less than nothing. They gave me many reasons to dislike them, but no reason to like give a shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I think the middle is absolutely rotten. But to go towards maybe some things that are good, we have two really, I think, great action scenes in the movie yeah. that kind of actually sandwich the middle. Like, so uh, one action scene is, of course, the Thunderdome scene itself. And then we have the bad middle of the movie. And then we have the sort of ending, kind of the ending third, really, uh, which is like an extended uh, car race battle, which is awesome and really good and actually really, really fun to watch. And that was, I woke up again. I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. Uh, <laughs> because that's what the movie does well. It does, it yeah. actually does spectacle well, and it does that sort of visual storytelling well when it's not attempting to tell the story of these weird kids. Um, yeah. So yeah, do you want to talk about the Thunderdome itself? Because that is one of the core good things here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as an MMA specialist, yes. if I yes. may, if I may uh, refer to myself as Please that, do. well, having worked about 12 years with that, I guess... Um, I think That's you're very plight. much allowed to say it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plight allowed. of me being uh, an MMA person. But uh, <laughs> obviously I was very interested in the concept. It's really cool. Like, so it's the dome. And I think what they really nailed it was putting people sort of all over the dome, watching what happens in there. Yeah. So you have this like structure with a bunch of people just like, a bunch of raggedy, sad people because that's <laughs> who lives in Barter Town, uh, yeah. apparently, or in wherever in this uh, post-apocalyptic planet. But they're all. I love that they put the people like all over the dome, um, watching, and then the whole like the catchphrase: two men enter, one man leaves, um, and you can fight in there however you want like you have cables which i thought was a very very creative uh little addition to it and weapons and everything else and as an mma person i was like how do we not have several promotions attempting this and Honestly, i'm sure in russia there was <laughs> yeah, sure. yes that's probably correct that's probably sure. true <laughs> honest honest to god like probably the same people who did the what the is it the Punching with the fucking what was it? It's not punching. It's a slapping contest, like the Russian slapping the sla contest <laughs> and things like that. Or like the early MMA pioneer who wanted to put crocodiles in a moat around the cage. Like they thought of which this. would have been rad. Granted. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I love the idea of like this is an aerial stunt show, but also MMA yep. slap. This is MMA, but also with an aerial stunt show. Like fucking. Perfect. Yes, this is great. Cirque du Soleil, but make it MMA. Cirque du Soleil it. of blood, you know? It's like, like I'm, I'm so into it. <laughs> I hate myself for quoting friends, but I will quote friends. Uh, Please. What episode when Ross talks about, like, I don't know, they're teasing him for doing ballet, and he said he was doing karate, and he mentioned something about being a beautiful sport, but lethal. Yes! <laughs> In Thunderdome, <laughs> it's a beautiful sport, but literally lethal because <laughs> one of them has to die. And uh, I agree with you. It's just very visually impacting. I thought the choreography was very interesting. And the I like the idea of the Master Blaster character, which is actually two, uh, not character, right? The Master Blaster is kind of like a megazord of uh, two yeah, people, two Master people. and Blaster. And I honestly, the part where I felt the most connected to anyone in the movie was probably when Blaster uh, was killed in the yeah. in the arena. But I that scene was really cool. The dome was was really cool. Yeah. Very very just visually fucking awesome. Like good. I'm always a sucker for a good fight scene. I yep. Almost yeah. wish it was more violent. <laughs> it's it's pretty stylized. Yeah, it's not very yeah. like 
anytime I watch, and this is also as a MMA fan, although I haven't watched nearly as many fights in the last couple of months as I usually do. So like if I'm, if I'm lapsing, I'm lapsing, but whenever I see people getting punched and there's no blood, I'm kind of like, well, where's, where's the blood? And it takes me out kind of immediately. It's not that there's no blood. It's just like, okay, if they were actually doing this to each other, there'd yeah, be, right. there would be visible signs of damage. And I know this is just like I'm me being a fucking dork thing and like wanting certain things to be realistic, even if certain things are not. Like more than fine, more than okay with the post-apocalyptic wasteland. No problem suspending disbelief there for me because I'm, I'm all about it. But yet, you know, here I am like, where's the blood? So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a hypocrite basically. <laughs> but it was uh, apparently like that was uh, a reason why it was less violent than the other Mad Max uh, movies, the previous ones, like oh, I think I the see. PG thing. Yeah, I don't know if that's why, but that it was is a thing a- now. Yes, yes, yes. There was a new rating uh, system in the early '80s. I don't remember exactly what year, so don't quote me. But I I remember Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think was maybe one of the first to have like a PG thirteen as opposed to PG or R. Like there was. A new gradation now, perhaps, and that was, yeah. I don't. I also don't know exactly what years the other ones came out, so it's possible they were also affected by that. But yeah, yeah I don't real. know if it was like a an effect cause thing if they did it to fit the rating, but mm. I did read that unlike the other movies, it was like I don't know how PG works honestly because it's a different system in Brazil. But sure, yeah, like sure. it was yeah. the first of the three that was like allowed for. I don't know. Infants. Under R, probably, yeah, most yeah. likely. Um, uh, which one is seventeen inter- plus here. Oh, okay, but yeah, yeah. One little interesting thing that I read. <clears throat> I read it's the alternate ending dot com. Uh, so I don't Ooh. don't quote me on it, but they said uh, Miller shifted some of his duties as director to George Oglevy, who, according to the generally accepted account, took over all the story and character moments, while Miller oversaw the action sequences. Uh, Miller and yeah, Miller in essence demoted himself to being the second unit director on his own uh, film, and this happened in part because um, producer Byron Kennedy had died in an accident during yes. the film's pre-production, leading to Miller's disengagement from the project, which he complete which he completed out of a sense of duty to his colleague's memory. He has openly confessed since then that he was too depressed about the whole situation to feel terribly invested in the project, and maybe that explains the generally deflated and uninspired feeling that clings to the movie like a shroud. Mad Max and the Road Warrior are tangible passion projects oozing raw creativity and ambition. Beyond Thunderdome is a thing some people made. Yeah, that that like, really does track. I mean, I know I did know a little of that, and the movie is dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you see yeah, that, right? like at the very end there. And I yep, actually, this is a <laughs> this is a moment I will just share with y'all because the second the movie ended. Um, I was like, oh, what a piece of shit. Like, that was my immediate, <laughs> and I said it out loud. I mean, there were no witnesses other than my animals, so I guess you can ask them, but I was like, what a piece of shit. And then I immediately saw the dedication uh, oh, to the like, producing, oh, no. directing partner, and I was like, oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I physically was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, y'all were in pain. I understand. Like, I'm not going to judge. You know, the movie's not very good. I'm sorry. But, like, I really, I do feel bad about that. That that actually sucks. And it it does genuinely make a kind of sense. Like, right? there is a I lackluster have- quality to so much of this movie that like, despite, again, Tina, Tina Turner, incredible. Costume mm-hmm. design, incredible. Production design, incredible. Action scenes, incredible. But yeah. everything else really does feel like going through the motions and it sucks yeah. and, it's, and it's boring and it's, and it's annoying and, it, and it's, it almost makes you angry because it's like there was a lot of love put into parts of this. Like you can mm-hmm. see it. You can see that a lot of people genuinely worked very hard to make this look cool and, and look interesting. But so much is missing and it. That makes so much sense that it's like, listen, man, the director is truly depressed about losing like a friend and a coworker. And like, I, I get it. I get it. I actually this makes me not angry at the movie to like hear that even though i knew some of it already like that context makes me like no oh, i get it man you were just trying you're just trying to do your job want to pat him on the back a little bit you know be like george <laughs> i get it man george you know what you did good george george you you tried 
You got some good scenes out of it. Listen, <laughs> let's just make a cut of this movie that's only Tina Turner in the action scenes. It'll yeah, make but- as much sense as the whole movie. It'll be a lot more fun to watch. Let's just do that. The 30-minute cut, you know? <laughs> and to me, it's just very interesting that it wasn't like... That some people are like think it's like canon. Like some people really love this movie. Yeah, like, I, I don't understand them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I will say this, and I'm sure we'll get this uh, deeper into this in the final segment when we make yeah. our our judgment. I after sleeping on it, and sort of after the final portion of it, I hated it less. Like sure, sure. And the first. The middle of it, I was ready to be just like, oh my, like the minute the kids showed up, if I didn't have yep. the show to do, that would have been probably when I turn it off. And I'm like, you know what? Life is short. Yep. Um, I'll just watch <laughs> more ER. <laughs> but, yep. there you was, go. Uh, but then after the ending and after sleeping on it and like reading a little bit about it and kind of like, I, I, I guess I'm not as devoted to hating it <laughs> as yeah. I was uh, yesterday. But I do agree with everything you said. Like there were some parts that make you want to love it. There are some, even like little tidbits, uh, for instance, not even like mentioned, there's Thunderdome, there's the amazing chase scene at the end, which to me boggles the mind. Like if there's one good thing <laughs> I'll say about me, I do have an ability to to marvel at things. I do have a sense of wonder. And I'm like, in 84, <laughs> it must have been so challenging yeah. to pull off a scene like that final chase scene. Yes. Um, right? Yeah. Like with all the angle changes, Everything like it just and it really transports you and you have little tidbits in there. that are like so funny and interesting. Like when the kids discover a little vinyl uh, that translates to French. The French. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's the one good kid moment. Yeah, that's good, though. <laughs> it was such a cute little scene. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the craziness, right? When the arrow goes through the door and shoots the co-pilot and Max is going to pull the 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 door out and he says count to three and he pulls it out on one and it's more interesting when you watch it <laughs> yeah yeah no but no it, I'm, I'm with you yeah <laughs> but it is a little they, they have those little tidbits i like i cackled in the one particular scene when they uh go into the pig den and <laughs> the one guy comes in to find out the one like part of the anti-entity sort of army comes in to find out that everybody's dead and he's outnumbered and he just says hi and smiles and it runs. Like, it runs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is funny. Like this is good action movie uh, banter. Like this is the, exactly the kind of thing. Cause that's the thing about eighties and nineties action movies in general, right? They're funny. That's why I love them so much. And you have those like little glimpses of these moments here. You have those little like, I want to be endeared by this. Uh, But then as a whole, it just doesn't. It just doesn't land. And it's unfortunate. But I kind of like want to watch the previous two now. After I do too. I do too. Like I I really do. I want to see more of the spectacle and I want to see the idea of this, but a passion project. And I think mm-hmm. Theory Road is that as well. Like that, I think very clearly is like a work of love, like yeah. for sure, for sure. You can just kind of see it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm also interested. So I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we saw the things we saw. I'm glad we saw Tina Turner in it, you know, because <laughs> that, that is fantastic. Like Tina, yeah. unimpeachable. She did great. <laughs> Wearing heels in the desert. Oh, like Tina. God. You that did not wig. have to do all that. Oh, <laughs> that wig. And you can tell that wig is about to come off in like several scenes when she's like tearing through the desert. That wig looks like it's heading out for dare life. Like that glue must be strong. And you're just like, <laughs> Tina's Tina's fucking selling it. She is rocking it. She is selling it. That wig might come off. She wouldn't even care. She'd be like, whatever. I'm the, I'm the queen, you know, like I'm the mayor of barter town. It's cool. And she also had like every line she has is good. Like there's not many of them, but they're good. Especially things like, you know, when she talks about I was nobody, you know, in yeah, the previous world. Amazing. And now I'm somebody like she has this like, <sighs> yeah, would follow her reading... out to the desert. You know, I would follow her. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's one thing that they did right. Because I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to be ruled by somebody who doesn't give a fuck about me, let that person be Tina Turner. But I read yep. a little bit of a uh, sort of a, a little piece kind of drawing a pair, like talking about sort of remembering Tina Turner in the role and sort of drawing the parallel about that and her sort of real life reconstruction and comeback and how that like small line was actually very powerful if you think about yeah. her and her own career. And I was like, you know what? That's true. And it makes me even like appreciate even more the little layers of, of, of auntie. Yes. God, auntie. We love you, auntie. We stand you, auntie. Oh. Well, I think we're about ready to go into our final section. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you ready for this? I was born ready, Danielle. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I like to hear. This is where we decide where the movie uh, belongs in our video store. Is it a bona fide staff pick displayed proudly? Is it a middle aisle placement? You know, totally decent, totally, you know, middle of the road. It's all good. It's a good place. Or does this deuce need the dumpster out back? So we've got three places we can put our movies. And it's a spectrum, just like gender. It's a spectrum. There's many parts on this spectrum. Things could fall. So it could be like low end of something, high end of something, you know. And thus far, we have have a bit of of a variety. We've got a few things in the middle aisle. We have a couple of things at the bottom of our staff fix shelf. And we had one dumpster dive uh, thus far. Uh, Fernanda, I'm a little torn on this one, and I'm, I'm sure you know where I'm torn between. <laughs> yeah. It's like yesterday, I, as credits yeah. rolled, I, again, like I said, I said, what a piece of shit. Like, I legit <laughs> said it out loud. What a piece of shit. And then immediately regretted it because I saw the dedication to the... Um, yeah, we're softies. You know. We're softies. We, we can't. There's no way around that. We would not survive in the dystopia. I think you would. I think you would, because you're like... <laughs> I might, uh, but not because skills. I'm not because I'm tough. I, I might just because I like know how to put bodies back together. So somebody who is way tougher <laughs> than me might also I can you break legs. I can break legs and break arms. Listen, yes. jujitsu like is you, useful. Yeah. Not in a gunfight, but like a, occasionally jujitsu might be useful. So like I can do some things. I'm just I'm also really nice. So I would I need would. I would need like a tough crew to like help protect me, but I would be useful. I would be useful at least. Also, thank you so much. Our producer, Paul said that he would follow both of us into desert hell. And thank you, Paul. That makes me feel really good about myself. That's that's the nicest thing anybody ever said to me. Yeah. Um, It's really good. But that's a lot of responsibility. I feel, I feel a little pressure. Um, (laughs) I would, I would say you would be that person in the entourage of the dictator, not because you're an asshole, but because either you would be the leader of some sort of commune like the kids, but like cooler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or I want to be the might... old lady from, from Fury Road. <laughs> like the old yeah, biker like, lady. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's right. Actually, that's Melissa Jaffe. She's like in her 80s and she was an actress on Farscape. So I also love her for that. But yes, that's who I want to be. Just just FYI. That's me. That's who I want to be. That's absolutely like you You have what it takes to survive. You can have to make Thank tough you. decisions because you have to in this situation. But yeah. in a fair way and like always community oriented, like yeah. protective of your community, but not to the point where you're like, kill everyone else. I kind of feel yeah. like that's that's you, you in the apocalyptic uh, dystopian hellscape. Thank you very and much. I, I, I like to think so. Thank you. That's the best role, I think, uh, <laughs> to have in this situation. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of like you in that I I was re- prepared to like toss it in the dumpster, but I, I have changed my mind a bit. I would yeah. put it I don't think it's like Wild Wild West bad. I think it has some like, it has enough good in it and enough like feeling in it or like at least enough vibe and atmosphere in it. Um, I would put it in the middle aisle, kind of low. Yeah, like just there. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, And it's, in a way, it's almost worse than the dumpster because it just denotes a lot of indifference. Uh, so, right. 
I'm sorry, Thunderdome. Honestly. <laughs> but I don't know. That's where that's where I would put it. I don't think I would go so far as to toss it in the dumpster. I am I'm having a hard time because I think half this movie actually does belong in the dumpster. <laughs> like half of this half, movie yep. half of this movie is just a fucking wreck for me. Anyway, I know some people love it. I'm not going to judge. Like that's okay. You know what? Some people I don't like to eat meat. That makes me a weirdo. So like I get it. But man, half of this movie sucks. However, okay, if in a world where there was like a 30-minute cut that's just Tina Turner and action, great movie. Cinematic masterpiece, 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a hard time cuz I'm I'm like I am inclined to put it in the dumpster. You are. But also my soft heart says my man was depressed when he made this. <laughs> Is there like a depression clause that we can have for the it middle aisle? Like, like, all so right. So cool. And it looks you know? great. <laughs> There's some I really good know. action. There's some really good action. There's Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Is she enough to make it float to the top? We. Oh my God. Paul has the perfect solution. We hide it behind the counter. For Tina Turner fans, that might be, that might be what it is. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's not in any, we just create like a separate special category for it. It's like, a- <laughs> I feel like that's almost given it too much credit. <laughs> uh, we could put like a little, uh, put it in the lower middle aisle with like a label, like yes. uh, warning. It's just not great. <laughs> warning for Consult- Tina Turner fans only. If you don't like Consult- Tina, don't that. even touch it. Like <laughs> Consult with owners of video store before yeah. taking it home uh, yeah, for I think, honest opinion. I think that's really, Yes. I think that's it. I think that's what we got to do. We it's okay. lower middle aisle, you know. It made it barely made the cut, but it has a warning label just in case. Okay, uh, I'm, like, I'm with it. Yeah, that's where it I'm is. I'm with it All because right. I have a feeling in the future. Also, we're gonna see more dumpster picks that we're gonna be like, you know what? Like Thunderdome was good compared to this. Oh, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Like, it was like, like some, some uh, wiggle room. Yeah, I think that's correct. I think that's absolutely right. And okay. as always, we can, like, change things in our shelves yes. because it's our store. And again, yeah. like, we put the fucking core and Lionheart in staff picks. So, like, <laughs> things will probably move. Things will move. <laughs> but we are the auntie entities of our own yes, uh, dystopian video store, and we can do whatever we want, except when the people who control the pig shit uh, tell us not to. So it's yeah. a bit of a precarious position. But in general, we get to call the shots. So yeah, this exactly as a reminder, uh, this can change. Uh, but for now, I'm like I'm I'm comfortable with that with that assessment. Yeah, yeah. I feel good about it. I think we got to a good place. Yeah. I think we got in our cool ATVs that go really fast and we may have gone on a journey. We may have almost died in the quicksand, just like that poor horsey, but we made it oh, through. Poor horsey. Just as poor horsey. Another emotional uh, moment for me. Yes. The the, probably the most emotional moment in the whole TBH. <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> felt bad for that horse. Sorry, horsey. Um, <laughs> we'll oh, keep you, in, thank our, you. in our hearts. Number one in our hearts, nameless horsey. And you would think the horse would have a fucking name. If people's names are like doll and pig shit or whatever, like you would think the goddamn <laughs> horse would have a name. Hoofy the horse. I don't know. Hoofy. I'm sorry. Maybe he Hoofy. does, and we don't know it. Like, doesn't right. Auntie Entity, like, isn't she Auntie the entire movie? And then Entity just the credits or something? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. I don't even know. So maybe, and like Max's name is mentioned like once. So maybe Horsey had Isn't a name. Isn't it like Max Radanowski? Like yeah. it's like Max Rad because he's cool, I guess. Oh, is it? I don't know. But yeah, it's like a, he, yeah, there's a name. Mel Gibson with the wig. Mel Gibson with the world's shittiest fucking wig that's ever existed. <laughs> God. 
That wig, I wanted it to come off during the fight scene so bad. It's not even funny. Like, I just wanted, like, a, a split outtake kind of thing where, like, the wig shifts an inch on his face after he gets punched. It's all <laughs> I wanted. It's fine, though. We, it's nice to want things. <laughs> oh, thank you all for coming on this journey with me. Thank you, Fernanda, for coming on this journey with me. And it was a journey this week. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as always, uh, on Pop Holly Diva Month, we have some surprises. We have a lot going on, and I'm glad that we. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad that yeah. we're on this journey together. It makes me happy. Well, uh, that's what we have for you this week, dear listeners. Thank you for coming on the journey as well. Uh, thank you, of course, to my co-host Fernanda for joining me. Thank you at home for listening, and thank you to our producer Paul Raggedy Man Tomato <laughs> for all the help in making this show not suck. We hope. You come back to, you know, your friendly neighborhood video store next week. We'll be continuing Happy Pop Holiday of a Month with a surprise announcement. So go to our Discord. We're going to announce it on our Discord. We've actually also been voting for another week. So, you know, we really, really do enjoy talking to y'all. And our Discord chat has been popping a little bit. And it makes me really happy because I love talking about movies. It makes me a happy person. Uh, so please do come and join our, our movie club. Uh, you just go to fanbyte.casa. That is F-A-N-B-Y-T-E dot C-A-S-A. And join the You Love to See It channel. That's where we have all our news, updates, discussion, special events. Um, and where we have been voting on not next week's, but the week after. So you get to have a little bit of audience interaction. That's good stuff, right? Uh, you can also go to fanbite.com slash podcasts for all of our shows. Follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, Instagram at Fanbyte, TikTok on Fanbyte, and of course on fanbite.com. You can also watch all of our good streams on twitch.tv slash fanbite. Fernanda, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Nanda Prachis. That's my name, N-A-N-D-A-P-R-A-T-S underscore. Um, and that's where I am saying random things about random stuff. It's kind of my, yeah. my jam. I think it's a good jam to have. I think. <laughs> I think it's a great jam to have. I like the random things you say. Um, and also the things you say about movies right here in our podcast. Uh, if you want to follow me and my random things, I am at Danielle R.I. And our fantastic producer, Paul, is at Holly Mayo. Thank you all so much for listening. Happy Pop Holidiva Month. And join us next time. Until then, you love to see it. <laughs>